I'll just tell you about my friend Andy Dufresne, who rode the tiny train in Houston. <laughs> Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans. We're three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State, share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Highway I-10 runs across this great nation from Jacksonville, Florida, all the way to Los Angeles, California. For 876 wonderful miles, it passes through Texas, beginning in Orange, Texas, and ending all the way in a different time zone in El Paso, Texas, the longest stretch of interstate inside of any single state. Today, we present this travel log across Texas, I-10, east to west. But first, what Looney Tunes character would make the best Texas Ranger? Hmm. Hmm. Well, yeah, it's that's, a toughie. That's a, it's a tough question. Um, if we're gonna, if I'm gonna treat this seriously, mm. um, I would have to go with uh, with Bugs Bunny, of course. Um, he is just the most straightforward, unflappable dude, and uh, I think he'd always prevail in the end, no matter the odds. He'd find a way. He'd make it happen. That's a good good pick. Good nice pick. pick. I, I'm going to go with uh, Roadrunner, one coyote, one ranger. <laughs> mm. Not bad, not bad. Well, listen, at first, my first thought was Yosemite Sam, because he's got those pistols and makes me but think. Totally incompetent. Totally incompetent. Well, not ranger, not ranger mature. You're asking a cartoon character to do a human job. And as we <laughs> learned in Roger Rabbit, this is just, it's not, uh, it's just not going to work. But then I thought maybe, you know, Scott said Bugs Bunny. You think, well, Bugs and Daffy, there you go. There's a team there. Maybe one's good, the other's not. They kind of go back and forth. But no, I think it's Foghorn Leghorn, simply because he, he struts. He struts. Doesn't always win, <laughs> but he certainly is so confident. And he would look great, you know, with the badge on and strutting around. But this well, is a what's, very... What's ailing you, boy? What's ailing you, boy? What's ailing you? <sighs> Listen... This is a very serious question. We took this super seriously, and we're not totally running out of steam well over 300 episodes into doing this show. That's what you need to know, folks. So Sean was on a vacation recently, and he was driving down the lovely interstate. And uh, we've done one of these before, but he had the idea to say, you know, let's talk about what some attractions are as we take a trip down I-10. Yeah. So as you said, Mike, I-10 is the stretch uh, running through the width of Texas is the longest stretch of interstate inside of any single state. Uh, 876 miles. That is a very long distance. Uh, and so, yes, I was down in Southeast Texas where my wife's family live in the lovely town of orange. And I got to thinking about some of the things that we could see on I-10. If you drove from Louisiana to New Mexico. So one of the first sites you see as you enter Texas is just outside of the city of orange, uh, this is a very lovely travel center, and you can pick up maps of the state. And there's flyers for lots of different attractions, both in the area and throughout the state. So you could actually be fooled into thinking, hey, I'll just go to Amarillo, to Cadillac Ranch, uh, you know, <laughs> from Orange, uh, which is like next to Louisiana. So, you, you, you know, you don't realize the distances, so they try to trick you into things. But they also have a lovely overlook of the bayou behind the center, and you can see some bayou, uh, alligators swimming around sometimes if you're lucky. So then if you go into Orange, though, uh, which is just a few blocks down on the interstate, and you exit 
on 16th Street. You drive down a couple of blocks, you'll see the Shangri-La Gardens, the beauty of the Shangri-La Gardens. Now, this was a nature preserve that was built in the 1940s by local billionaire oil man, Letcher Stark. He was a billionaire in the 1940s, so that's how much money he had. Uh, The gardens included thousands of native plants and wildlife and a full cypress tupelo swamp. And so this is type of cypress tree, as well as hundreds of azaleas, which was his favorite plant. Unfortunately, in 1958, there was a snap freeze uh, in a snowstorm, and it destroyed much of the foliage in the park. Uh, and Mr. Stark closed the park, and it closed after his death and remained closed after his death for nearly 50 years. But it was maintained as a nature preserve and a study habitat for universities. In 2013, they fully restored and reopened the park to the public. And today, you can go and visit and see this beautiful foliage and the wildlife that's there. And there's fish and there's birds, and it's really pretty. Uh, And it is open Tuesday to Saturday, and admission is free. Uh, They used to charge, and then recently, the Stark Foundation just made admission free. So you can go. If you go in the spring, they do a... uh, butterfly release and they do uh they release butterflies and then they have these big bins full of uh ladybugs and the kids like to play with the ladybugs so it's a lot of fun uh if you want to go a little further into orange there's also the stark museum in downtown orange which there's also the stark museum of art in downtown orange and it's free and they have a lot of western art it's really neat now if you're driving a little further west go 40 miles down the road just past the city of beaumont you will see a wonderfully hokey corrugated metal alligator. And this is the home of Gator Country. Uh, Gator Country is the largest largest alligator sanctuary in southeast Texas. There's over 450 alligators, crocodiles, and other reptiles and poisonous insects. Well, I saw one tarantula there, uh, and that was enough poisonous insects for me. There's also a couple of prairie dogs, a raccoon. And in a pen that has some goats and pigs and ducks, I don't know what they do with those goats and pigs and ducks, if they actually feed them to the gators or not. Uh, I didn't ask questions. So the gators range from little babies and juveniles that are born in the park or rescued on nuisance calls to a to, to 10-foot-plus behemoths, including the two largest alligators in captivity in Texas. Big Al, who's 84 years old, weighs 1,000 pounds, and is 13 Feet four inches long. Does, Big te- does he have a theme song? Uh, Big he yeah. Well, Big Al is has actually been eclipsed in 2013. They they live rescued a uh, live captured a rescue of a of an alligator named Big Tex. He's 13 feet eight inches long. Uh, Big wow. Tex, yeah. So Big Tex is a gentle giant. Uh, he actually, they said the the day that they brought him in to his to the park, the handlers were able to get in the water with him and feed him by hand, and he did not attack. He's never attacked anybody. Uh, he actually, they said they he nuzzles you and like butts up against you and and loves on you. If, essentially, if a thousand pound alligator can love on you, um, they have uh, hand feedings for most of the big alligators and. Uh, Shows every every hour where they feed all the alligators, and you get to see them do that. And those alligators hiss, and it's actually terrifying to, to be hissed at by a 10-foot alligator. Um, admission, $16 for adults, $13 for kids, and everybody gets to hold a baby alligator. Nice. Did, did, 
Did you hold a baby alligator? I did hold it. It's weird. It's like holding wet leather. <laughs> Very creepy. My daughter, who's afraid of flies, held one and she loved it. And she said, I want one for my birthday, for my sixth well, birthday. Well, to be fair, um, alligator, baby alligators are cute and flies are covered in poop. So I think I, I would, I would uh, align myself with your daughter's choice. Oh, my. She, she, she also scared of ants, and she said, Daddy, ants will bite you. And we were like, that alligator you were holding that had electrical tape around its mouth, it would bite your hand off if it could. Well, can you wrap electrical tape around the mandibles of tiny ants? If you could, that would be pretty pretty good feat. So 60 more miles down the road from there, um, you'll come to the Channel View Laporte area right before you hit Houston proper. Um, you have to make your way a little bit off the interstate, but if you do you'll find San Jacinto Battlefield Park, which, of course, includes currently the Battleship Texas. Uh, for $12 for your adult ticket, $6 for seniors, and only $3 for kids, you can visit your favorite battleship at its home for nearly 75 years. But act fast, because next year, if you make this same trip on I-10, uh, the Battleship Texas will have another home. We talked about that on episode 300. Yep. Um, as you travel further into Houston and you hit downtown, there's a prominent aquarium right there on I-10. Uh, visitors there can marvel at swamps, deserts, a shipwreck, a rainforest, and the seafloor of the Gulf of Mexico, as well as four stunning white tigers. Um, presumably not in scuba gear, but in a dry area. There's also a restaurant, a carousel, a Ferris wheel with wonderful views of the Houston skyline, and a ride through the center of the 200,000-gallon shark tank. Uh, the aquarium is open daily, and you can experience everything there for $20.99 per person. And that's a bargain. Yeah. Have either of you been to that aquarium? No, I've always wanted no. to go. It's, it's right there, right as you yeah. get downtown when I-10 curves up. I've heard good things about it. I just have never, I'm always passing through Houston. Now, just off I-10 in Houston's famed Museum District, you can find some of the finest museums in the country, including the Museum of Fine Arts, the Contemporary Arts Museum, the Cullen Sculpture Garden, the Health Museum, the Children's Museum of Houston, and the magnificent Houston Museum of Natural Science. The Houston Zoo is just on the other side of Herman Park, where you can ride the beloved Herman Park Small Gauge Railroad, because we yeah. all love tiny trains. Of course. Yeah. Now, my favorite part, I, I've been to the, the Art Museum and I've been to the, the Museum of Natural Science. The Art Museum, when I went, is when they had their stripped-down, uh, smaller version of the Star Wars exhibit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one that used to be at the Smithsonian, the, the Magic of Myth. They had the traveling version of that show. We went to see that in Houston. Um, that trip... Uh, stands out in my mind because when we were leaving the museum, uh, we were walking through the parking lot and there was a car in there with a Def Leppard license plate. It was a Texas plate that said Def awesome. Leppard. Um, so I'll always remember that. But uh, Houston Museum of Natural Science uh, is the first place I, well, second place I saw an IMAX movie. First place was Kennedy Space Center. But saw an IMAX movie there, which was wonderful. Um, about um, the Grand Canyon. That was great. But what I love the most about that Natural Science Museum is um, out in front in the garden, pavilion, patio area in the entryway, they've got a scale um, representation of the solar system. 
So there's like this giant edge curve of the sun. And then as you walk from the sun, you can walk past Mercury, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Venus, Earth. Yeah. And they're, they're embedded in the, the concrete, like the, it's like a mosaic type thing. Um, it, it, it's hard to describe, but it, it's, it's to scale and it's amazing because it kind of really gives you an idea of like the size of the solar system. And you don't even have to go into the museum. It's like they start hitting you with it before you even go in. So, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that we were I went there in eighth grade on a field trip when we were in Normandy. Yeah. And the, I remember that piece. And then I remember the planetarium um, yeah. that uh, that I thought it was really cool. Uh, and then I've been to uh, the Museum of Fine Arts in the Contemporary Arts Museum with uh, my wife, right? The week before we got married. And then we recently went to the Children's Museum, which is it's very nice. It's, uh, it's not as quite as nice as the Pro Museum, but few are but we got in for free because of our pro museum membership so reciprocal nice. membership has its benefits no, i was gonna say i think it's just almost worth a trip to that area of town uh, without even having to go into anything you can just you know walk around the museums and stuff oh, yeah. and, and there's cool stuff outside Her- herman park's beautiful i mean it's it's a gorgeous park and i know lots of houston people who you know had that small gauge railroad that little uh, train was part of their childhood so mike did you ever go in that train nope i've only ever ridden the eagle and the zilker park train Uh, that is a and now i'm probably just too old (laughs) (laughs) all right i'll just tell you about my friend andy dufrank who rode the tiny train in houston Now, if you keep going down I-10, you say, adios, Houston, I'm good. You go past, there's a big mall in Katy, Texas. But once you're about 90 miles outside of Houston, halfway to San Antonio-ish, you're going to run into the German Czech town of Schulenburg, Texas. That is home to the Texas Polka Music Museum, preserving the history and legacy of polka music in Texas. And it honors a bunch of different bands and musicians of Czech, German, and Polish heritage. And uh, it's a... That, that sounds like a great time. I've actually never stopped in there, and I, I definitely have to put that on my laundry list of to-do things because I, I would love to visit that Polka Museum and just uh, take a stroll around the grounds. Now, it's a little place in a small town, but it's got a big heart. So if you want to go, hours are 11 to 3, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And if you can't make it there when it's open, you can still go to the original Country Bakery, spelled with a K, where you can get classic pies, cakes, strudels, and stolen and savory kolaches and kalasniki. So you get in there, and you just eat your fill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, one thing we didn't mention, um, when you're going through Katy on your way out of Houston, um, that stretch of I-10, I think, last time I checked, was still the uh, widest freeway in the country. It is. It is extremely wide. It's like 16 lanes at one section yeah. or something like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It is. It's, it, yeah. And, and you know, we, you, you have to have driven fast to get through Houston. So, uh, and lived. So, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, Schulenburg is uh, just past Weimar, which is where my brother lives. So, uh, there's lots of, there's lots of fun things in that area. Well, you're going to go another 100 miles further west. And you're going to hit the congestion of San Antonio. Which, as we all know, is Texas's oldest metropolitan area. Now, right after you pass over the I-10 one, the I-10 I-37 interchange, but right before you get 35, you're going to take exit 573 and circle back around to Mission Road. 
And there you're going to find Mission Concepcion, which is one of the five Spanish missions of San Antonio. And it's part of the San Antonio Missions National Historical Park. Now, if you remember from way back in our first season, Concepcion was the scene of a battle that occurred during the siege of San Antonio, which was during the Texas Revolution. Uh, And Jim Bowie and uh, Ben Milam and Fannin all fought there. So a little further down Mission Road is perhaps the most beautiful of the missions, which is Mission San Jose. Uh, and then further down, you've got the other missions, uh, and Espada and, uh, Capistrano. But if you go a little north of I-10, you'll get into downtown San Antonio, which is of course where the river walk is. And the most famous mission, a little place that's called the Alamo. Uh, and a mission is free to all of these wonderful historical locations. You really should check them out at least once in your life. Um, it is worth the detour off of I-10 to go in either direction. So in San Antonio, right there uh, where I-10 meets 35, they join together for a little while and kick north. And then they go out of San Antonio. I-10 goes out of San Antonio. And just past the outer loop is Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. And we've talked about this amusement park before, but it features themed areas modeled after Texas's various cultures, as well as Warner Brothers cartoons and DC comic characters. I guess brief corporate synergy is part of Texas culture, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. At yeah. any rate, at any rate, there's also a full-size water park that's incorporated into the park. Uh, you don't need separate admission for the water park piece, unlike Six Flags Over Texas and Hurricane Harbor. Tickets are $72 at the door, but you can save $25 if you pay online. Uh, you can also get season passes, and members get free admission and parking. So... Um, if you're going to be staying in Texas for a while, you might want to get the season pass. So you can hit, mm-hmm. you can hit six flags and you can hit yes, yes, Texas and six flags. Um, I 10, uh, continues past San Antonio Northwest, and you'll find, uh, some ideal stops for our fans and listeners who like to go spelunking. Uh, we've done a whole episode on caves and I know we at least mentioned one of these, um, Bernie, uh, Texas, which is just 40 miles from San Antonio, is home to two significant caves in this great state. Uh, first is Cascade Caverns. Uh, this is just five miles south of Bernie in Kendall County. Cascade Caverns were first commercially operated from 1933 to about 1941 uh, and then reopened in 1950. Uh, this cave has a half mile of flowstone-decorated passages and rooms. Uh, you can get in uh, for $20 as an adult or $13 for children, for kids. Um, also, in that same general area, is the Cave Without a Name. Uh, 11 miles northeast of Bernie is what some say is the most beautiful cavern in Texas. It has six major rooms with well-constructed walkways and lighting exposing spectacular formations of stalactites, stalagmites, delicate soda straws, cave drapery, magnificent flowstone, rimstone dams, and more. It was discovered in 1927 when a goat fell through a hole in the ground. Bet that goat was scared. Well, he might have been scared, but he also probably felt bad. (laughs) Well played. The property was originally owned by a rancher named Short and then purchased by James L. Horn. Horn? Horn. Yeah. Yeah. 
then purchased by James L. Horn, who developed the cavern as a commercial prospect in 1939. Horn had a contest to name the cave. While visiting, a young boy commented that it was too pretty to have a name. He won the contest with that suggestion. So it is now the cave without a name. It's open seven days a week, and adults uh, cost $20 to get in, kids 6 to 12 or 10, and there's a 10% discount for seniors and military veterans. 155 miles up the road from Bernie are the Caverns of Sonora. The cave entrance was discovered on Stanley Mayfield's ranch in 1900, but it didn't get explored with any significance until 1955. Over the next two decades, the space accessible to the public expanded to its current one-and-a-half-mile length. The cave isn't as large as some of the others, having no huge rooms or giant formations, but the Caverns of Sonora have been ranked as some of the most spectacular cave complexes in the world. It's been said that the cavern's beauty, quote, cannot be exaggerated, even by Texans. What are they trying to say? Unlike most caves, the caverns of Sonora have hundreds of helictites, ranging in shape from soda straws to fish fins. The most famous attraction is a pair of symmetrical fishtail helictites that form a butterfly shape. Like the others, caverns of Sonora are open daily, year-round. Um, adults are $18. Kids 12 and under are 16 and you can save by bundling with uh, tours of historic downtown Sonora, which is only about, uh, what, 11 miles away? Yep. Let's get the heck out of here. We got a lot of flat, dry, nothing to cover now in Texas. So we leave Sonora, and we head out 70 miles. You're going to run into Sheffield, and that is home of the Frontier Army Post, Fort Lancaster. And then if you go keep going 90 miles past that, you'll run into Fort Stockton, which is named after a frontier fort of the same name. Visitors at both places can see ruins and recreations of the cavalry posts of the 1860s and 70s that guarded the frontier. Now at Fort Stockton, admission is free and is $4 a person or $9 for a family of four if you go to see the fort at Fort Lancaster. Well, Fort Stockton is also has a couple of notable sculptures uh, celebrating the heritage of this historic area. Now, on the south side of I-10, east and west of town, are two large silhouette sculptures by artist Brian Norwood. On the east side of town is March to Fort Stockton, which depicts men of the 9th U.S. Cavalry, the famed Buffalo Soldiers, African-American soldiers, who were stationed there in the 1870s. West of town is Look to the East, which depicts a small hunting party of Comanche as they pause to search for buffalo. Further on into town is another sculpture, which we talked about in our Monumental Texas episode. This is Paisano Pete, which at one time was the world's largest roadrunner statue. Now, I'm assuming that the Pecos County Sheriff's Department has to keep a constant watch for shifty coyotes and Acme packages. 50 miles further down the road, uh, just up I-10 in this, the small town of Balmaria. A few miles outside. Sorry, it's Balmaray. Okay, Balmaray. Okay. 50 miles away, just off of I-10, is the small town of Balmeray. A few miles outside of town, in the even smaller Toy, in the even smaller Toyaville, is the Balmeray State Park, home of the world's largest spring-fed swimming pool. Uh, the pool is nearly two acres, 30 feet deep in places, and is a rock-walled pool constructed by the Civilian Conservation Corps in 1933 around the San Solomon Springs. 
The water is naturally 76 degrees year-round as it's fed from a aquifer deep in the earth and is home to numerous aquatic plants and fish, including two endangered species of fish, which are found only here in that pool. Uh, now, the pool had been closed down for a while uh, for some restoration work, but it was the restoration was finished and the pool reopened in 2018. The park itself is only open for day use, no camping. Yep. Yeah, they're restoring the rest of the park. Yeah. Admission is $7 for ages 12 and up, and 12 and under are free. Whew. Well, get back in the car, kids, because we've got a little ways to go. Only 170 more miles find you on the outskirts of El Paso, where you can exit onto Highway 375 and go southwest to Isleta del Sur Pueblo, which is one of the two active Native American reservations in the state of Texas and the only remaining mission community in the state. We talked about this way back in episode 97, but since 1682, the Isleta mission has been the cultural heart of the Tigua people. Visit the beautiful mission, learn more about the fascinating history of the Tigua when you're in the El Paso greater area. And you've actually been to Isleta, right? Yeah, yeah, that was mom and dad lived out there. It's really nice. It always freaked me out being in, uh, uh, like in uh, Fort Stockton or something like that and seeing a sign that said 180 miles to El Paso. Like, oh my gosh, we have just driven <laughs> all the way across the state. And yet, we still have 180 miles left in this state that we could go. Pretty, pretty amazing. Yep. Well, well, as we're leaving El Paso, uh, again, I-10 is going to take a turn to the north. Uh, we can take a diversion to visit the historic Fort Bliss Military Post, which is just east of town. Or we could go to the Franklin Mountain State Park, which rise up north of town, just as you head into New Mexico. But just before you leave Texas, if you're still hot, may want to visit another water park. And this one is in the town of Anthony. It's Wet and Wild Water World. There's slides, splash, splash pads, tubes, a lazy river, and a wave pool. Uh, tickets are $25 a person and slightly less for kids. So you can cool down before you head off through the deserts of New Mexico on your way to Los Angeles. But why would you ever want to leave Texas? Exactly. Yeah. Just turn around, head back the other way, and visit hmm. everything on the southern side of the freeway. Yeah, like Fort Hancock, Texas. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. No, Fort, I mean, Hancock, Fort Hancock, Texas. That's, that's what's crazy to me. It's like Texas is so big, and there's so many things just off of one freeway. Well, that's the, and so you think about it, 876 miles. If you had a huge extra gas tank in your car, and you drove it like you stole it, cannonball run style from Orange Del Paso, <laughs> and you drove 90 miles an hour, it would take you almost 10 hours of 90-mile-an-hour continuous driving to get yeah. there. Yeah, I, I I looked it up. I thought that maybe the intercoastal highway in California, the uh, I-5, might come close, and it does. It's it's like 600 miles, 680 miles or something. It, it it's, it's close, but it's still, still short of... I-10 through Texas. Texas takes the tacos yet again. There you go. And there's no there's no interstate highways in Alaska. So Alaska, you can still be the biggest state. That's fine. You've also, like, you've, you've got nothing else. So yeah. we'll give you that. You have to it's go it's hard right. for Alaska to have an interstate highway since they don't connect to another state. Right, exactly. By the way, you could pull off of the freeway at any point, go to an airport, 
maybe go to Love Field, get on a Southwest flight for 50 bucks, and just go to El Paso. <laughs> yeah. No, this is this is great. Uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff of I-10 that you forget about. So Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff that we could have talked about that we didn't even make it into our list. Yeah. So I if mean, you guys out there have any fun stuff that you think we missed or need to talk about, shoot us a note, send us a tweet, drop us a line. You can contact us. We'd love to hear from you. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. Now, if you love this show, tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. We hope you join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.